Welcome to the MMNM podcast for the week of October 11, 2021. This is Mark Iskowitz, editor-at-large for MMNM, and in case you couldn't tell, despite the gratuitous name-dropping, that intro was taken from the MMNM Awards, which took place live and in person last Thursday night. This week on the podcast, we'll be recapping the highlights. And since the awards dinner marked a return to its traditional venue, Cipriani Wall Street, after last year's virtual celebration, I thought it only fitting to invite my traditional podcast co-host, MMM executive editor Larry Dobrow, to join me and give his take on the proceedings. Been a long time since we did one of these things together. How are you? Absolutely. Excited to do this one. Um, certainly, there's a lot to talk about after last night's uh, festivities. We're recording this on Friday, even though you won't be hearing it for a couple of days uh, down the road. But yeah. Ditto, ditto. It's great to be reunited. And this was a much anticipated event and it did not disappoint. Uh, it was also special, of course, because it celebrated the work of healthcare marketing and communications, including the three vaccine makers, which, work which took on so much added significance over the last 18 months of this long pandemic, and also included a long overdue tribute to the frontline healthcare workers. That's in addition to the gold and silver awards handed out in 40 some odd categories. So if you weren't able to attend or you missed the live stream, this, this is for you. We've got more audio snippets and interviews which will intersperse in between Larry's sharp-witted commentary. But first, some housekeeping items. Just to remind everybody, in case you didn't know, all the award winners are posted to our social channels and to the website. They were posted, excuse me, to the social channels and to the website last Thursday evening as they were announced. And you can check them all out on the site, MMM online.com. If you haven't seen it yet, that's a great roundup. And by the way, if you had Monday off this week, we hope you enjoyed the long weekend. Let's get back to the subject at hand. Uh, in the nearly two decade history of these awards, this year's had to be one of the most special. And I'll just start with the most obvious reason, the, the joy of in-person. You know, felt like a reunion because it was at its most basic level. This, this dinner is about coming together. You have executives who normally see each other, you know, at competitive pitches, you know, probably less so over the last year, but the awards have always been kind of that neutral turf, you know, for, for people to come together, have a drink with a rival, schmooze a bit about the business, and people really miss that. And kind of we were the conduit, I think, you and I and, and other members of the team for people coming up and thanking us for pulling this together. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I, I don't think any of us fully knew what to expect. You know, we didn't know if there'd be some hesitation being in a closed venue on the other hand, you know, we had obviously some pretty serious protocols in place. You know, the venue actually had a couple of very large people stationed near the door in case there were any issues with people, you know, trying to get in and, you know, fighting any of the requirements. Fortunately, there was no, uh, nothing at all around that. But it felt like it almost felt like a, it almost felt like a high school or a college homecoming. Um, it kind of felt, you know, this was the, I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was our company's first in-person event since, you know, before all of this, you know, the last 19, 20 months or whatever it's been. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there was, there was almost like this uh, explosion of extroversion. Everybody was, you know, lively and, you know, everybody was happy and everybody was smiling. I mean, you know, ordinarily people are in a very good mood for something like this because what it is is a celebration of everything we do. But I think there was that added gratification. What's the word I'm looking for here? That added kind of I am glad to be here. I almost don't care if, you know, like somebody drops something in my suit, you know, that type of, that type of thing going on. 
but um, it was lovely to see our own team. It was lovely to see um, so many people from the industry, so many friends and so many people whose work we admire. Um, it was just a lovely night. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about it from a broader perspective, I think it was, it was probably also one of the first uh, and likely one of the largest of the in-person events to return to the pharma marketing event circuit. We probably had between four and 500 people, I'd say, in the room between the 350 guests and then the staff and the wait staff and, you know, on the, on the technical people. So it was really great. And, uh, you know, after such a tumultuous 18 months, people were, were really pining for, for human contact. And not to belittle the situation, there's still a great deal of human suffering going on, but it was great to see people enjoying themselves again for one night at least and feeling good about the work they produce. And I thought Elaine Gamble, our jury chair, summed that up nicely in her speech in which she applauded marketers for the work they produced. So let's hear about a, a little bit of that. You did a fantastic job of showcasing your brilliance under the most challenging of circumstances. The work you produced, socially distanced actors, Zoom recordings, animation in place of people, in many ways established a unique and enduring connection with our patients, with our doctors, all of our audiences, and in some ways, even more than we had pre-COVID. We had an unprecedented level of authenticity in the excellence of the work. Yes, so to Elaine's point, you know, really, there was a lot of authenticity in the work. Uh, that, that was a nice way of putting it, I thought. Yeah, she, you know, she, she struck a tone that was certainly appreciative, but also, I think what she put into context very well was the challenge was that, I mean, this was a higher level of difficulty. I mean, you know, listen, this is always a tough thing to do given the regulation and everything else that surrounds um, you know, marketing in this sector. But this year, you know, it, it was really, really hard to do. And out of it came so much good work. I think what Elaine did in her introduction was basically, you know, acknowledge that like, listen, what you guys do this isn't easy. I mean, you know, certainly it's very different than some of the, you know, professionals themselves treating patients and everything that's come with that. But, you know, this was not a year where anybody could fall back and, you know, get a little bit lazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. People really rose to the, realized they needed to rise to the occasion uh, now more than ever. And speaking of the work itself, um, you know, people were wondering, given the submission window was roughly April 2020 to April 2021, what kind of work would be entered in the MMM awards? You know, would we see socially distanced TV campaigns and animated spots like Elaine was, was talking about, a virtual product theaters at medical congresses and, and vaccination initiatives executed with equity? The answer was all of the above. You know, then there were the public health campaigns by the vaccine makers emphasizing science and vaccination as a way out of the pandemic. And this year's awards recognized all three vaccine makers with the Platinum Award for Outstanding Contribution to Healthcare. And here's a little uh, snippet of Mike Millett, who uh, is VP of North American Commercial Operations for Moderna, accepting that award and uh, talking about bringing mRNA science to life. Communication is really just as important as the science. In the vaccine space, we have a saying, there's a big difference between vaccines and vaccination. Science is only part of the solution. Addressing vaccine hesitancy is an opportunity for all of us. It means listening, empathizing, caring, respecting all opinions for people to choose why they get vaccinated or why they don't. I like the way Mike 
you know, address the importance of uh, addressing all opinions about vaccination and helping people find their own personal reasons to get the shot. And they adopted the, the Make It Yours tagline to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. And they did that through explainers and tapping local partners like the Seattle Seahawks and Boston Red Sox to, to raise awareness. Well, you know, anything that involves the Red Sox, you know, I, you, know you, you can't be in favor of that, right? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> uh, just kidding, obviously. But yeah, what, what I think he did was, you know, he almost, you know, with Pfizer, with Moderna and with J&J, you know, they were justly, obviously, um, recognized for their scientific acumen. I don't think the communications that came flowing from them has been given enough credit. Um, I think there's been a lot of effort, you know, probably done pretty subtly on their part to make sure that, you know, these are represented the way they should be represented, not necessarily for competitive advantage, but for the betterment of public health. And he did a lovely job kind of giving us that window into the internal thinking at Moderna and how the company wanted to go about doing this and how it did go about doing this. So um, I, I found the speech extremely insightful. That, that's a great point. I mean, there, there has been precious little sort of appreciation for a lot of the educational work that's gone on behind the scenes, for, you know, from a communications perspective. Again, obviously, there's been a ton written about the science and the mRNA science. Uh, but because the vaccines until recently have not been formally FDA approved, and we know Comirnaty just recently got its uh, FDA approval, but we, I, don't, I don't think we've really seen uh, the branded work yet to come out. And, and, and so, you know, up to this point, there really hasn't been a, a lot written about the educational work. So it was a nice opportunity to, to recognize that. And following Mike's speech, several members of the New York City healthcare workforce were asked to come on stage for a tribute to frontline healthcare workers. And we had members of several hospitals from Montefiore Medical Center to Mount Sinai, who, of course, got a standing ovation. So that was a, a, a poignant moment. Uh, we also had public health campaigns that weren't COVID-related, recognized, you know, flu, which wasn't exactly top of mind on the list of vaccinations last fall. The COVID vaccine wasn't out yet at that point, but this was something that people could do to improve their immunity, including, I think, perhaps their COVID immunity. And uh, so there was a campaign that was recognized in the multi-channel marketing uh, campaign category that was done by Walmart and Sashi and Sashi Wellness. Uh, that took that on, you know, upping flu vaccination, vaccination rates in the community in the middle of the pandemic and showing visually what it's like to get help in this way and that that, that could help the community at large. You know, there was just, there's a behavioral health principle that one's personal actions have effects on others around you. So that was that was the insight that they that they exploited, you know, to uh, to up vaccination rates. So here is Joseph Tremblay, VP Creative Director at Sashi and Sashi Wellness, talking about that. Our entire campaign had to be about informing people that flu is still something that exists even though COVID maybe is top of mind. And so we had to break things down in a way that people could understand visually and verbally what what it looks like for a virus to still be part of your life and part of your community and how maybe you're not getting a vaccine for COVID yet, but you can still get a vaccine for the flu because the COVID vaccine wasn't out yet. And it was probably a nice setup for the COVID vaccination efforts to come several months later. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, it's, it's funny because last year around this time, we were getting a lot of warnings about a twindemic. You know, there would be flu, there would be COVID together. Um, everybody expected COVID numbers to go in the wrong direction. And of course they did over last winter. Some of the efforts that shone a light on flu, I, I thought were 
clever. I mean, I know that's not a word we generally associate with a lot of campaigns, especially ones around public health, but it did so in a way where it wasn't like, all right, you know, if you don't do this, I mean, I'm sure it would have been very easy to do this in a scolding manner, but this campaign came across as extremely natural and extremely almost friendly. There was no, you know, if you don't do this, it's going to get it worse. And uh, I, I was very impressed how they were able to walk that line. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great point. Fall is here. So everybody get your flu shots. But the, the long list of winners also reflects the fact that the normal blocking and tackling of pharma marketing continued. The work of promoting brands and raising disease awareness among patients, physicians, and payers didn't stop. As Elaine Gamble said, under off-trying circumstances, for scores of new products and scores of conditions. And HIV was one of those disease areas. It showed up as a gold or silver in multiple categories, one of which was market access marketing or payer marketing. And here's the silver winner here, which was uh, Vive Healthcare. They executed a payer campaign with Entree Health New York for their HIV med Rucobia, uh, which was approved in July 2020 for treatment experienced HIV sufferers. Uh, and this is uh, AJ Ahuja, Director of Market Access Marketing and, uh, excuse me, Market Access Strategy and Marketing for Vive, talking about the campaign strategy. It was called Voices Behind HIV. Our strategy was, can we get as unrestrictive of access as possible? Uh, how do we do that? Um, it was to really go after and understand, let's bring the patient to the forefront. Like, you know, that really brings not just what the unmet need is in the payer market space, but really think about what is it the patients and the HCPs really want from this product and make sure that that's brought to the forefront. So our strategy was really pure and simple and just trying something different with the payer audience. That's it. So this was a, a subpopulation that was had kind of slipped through the cracks, you know, people who tried other HIV treatments with, without success, basically brought patients forward in this campaign and through social media efforts on Twitter and LinkedIn, they targeted payers and, and drove them to uh, a lot of the unbranded information to help humanize this, this patient population. And I think they got 90% payer coverage uh, through that. So it was a yeah. successful campaign. And I, I know this is sort of a different angle than what you were just talking about, Mark, but the payer work that we've seen, um, you know, not just in the winners, but also in some of the runner-ups and some of the ones that didn't even make the shortlist, payer category right now, we're seeing such better work, so much less clinical, so much more thoughtful and creative than we've seen before. To me, that was one of the big trends of the evening, the idea that there's, okay, you can be good and creative and almost fun <laughs> in payer marketing. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's been a sense over the years that you know payer marketing is this very like, well, we're going to give you the numbers and that's our job. But um, the work has been phenomenal, and you know, especially in the campaigns that were awarded. Yeah, great point. In fact, there was another uh, campaign I think in the in the same category that won gold for GSK uh, and uh, was done by Area Twenty Three. And it targeted pharmacists. And I think it was like the, when's the last time you saw a pharmacist laugh? You know, they kind of used humor. And I think they got like eight major pharmacy chains to adopt this campaign. And uh, it was a success in the, in, the, in the market access area. So good, good point there. Uh, let's segue to standout campaigns. Um, 
and there were a, a number of campaigns that you you just saw kind of repeatedly throughout the evening, uh, you know, kind of shining through purpose driven campaigns, whether they were for gun violence, cyberbullying, DNI campaigns, um, influencer marketing, innovation. Larry, you want to give us your pick of what you know kind of standout campaigns stood out in your mind? Well, it's interesting. Um, I was watching a large percentage of the awards portion of the night, you know, with an agency leader, and um, you know, without giving any names away, um, that leader was saying essentially, like, you know, we would love to do some of this work. He goes, however, you know, you get so many of them pitched to you, you almost have to be sparing in, you know, what you take on, because, you know, if you do this, you could wind up doing something that's going to, you know, take a lot out of your bottom line and not really have much of an impact. I think what we saw in last night's work was that impact, um, gun control, especially, but also in the DEI realm, you know, you saw work that really, I mean, in, in a way, it was almost something of a bummer to display it because it was such powerful work. And it made you think on a night when everybody was kind of in a you know, celebratory mood, but um, you could not deny the impact of it. You know, when the gun control uh, campaign that won the Platinum Award was aired in full at the end of the night, I mean, you know, you didn't hear a pin drop in the room. It was, it was almost uncanny. It was just such incredible work. And such meaningful work and, you know, work that judging by the response to it, not just within our industry, but in the larger world, certainly had the impact that was intended. To me, another trend, you know, work in the kind of the pro bono, you know, slash cause related realm that really, really, really hit hard. Yeah, great, great point. We, we've seen a, a, a trend of, of a really hard hitting, uh, philanthropic, purpose driven campaigns the last couple of years, haven't we? And you know, raising gun control to the level of a, of a public health threat, which it is, is, is one uh, of those trends. And Change the Ref was the one that won the titanium that, that you're referring to, of course, by McKinnon, yes. New York. And it was very, you know, they used AI to create like a deep fake of one of the victims of, of gun violence to kind of bring him back to life, so to speak, to kind of campaign for gun control. That was very powerful and very hard hitting. And in the DNI area, another one we saw, Change the Ref won three awards. That was big. And, and also no slouch, so to speak, was the ABCs of Survival, which was a DNI campaign that won three awards itself. Uh, it won, I think, in, in social media and digital initiatives for consumers as well. This was done by the block uh, on behalf of the National Black Child Development Institute. And basically what they did was they created a book to help black parents talk about race with their kids. Here's an audio snippet from uh, Jen Matthews uh, from the block talking about that one. We don't normally talk about race at work. And we created a space for people to say, hey, we have an opportunity to educate and make a difference within the block, you know, at this time, at this very important time in our country, an inflection point. Um, and we seized upon it by no means is it, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, but it's a small step forward in our contribution to, you know, trying to improve the conversation around race relations and race understanding in this country. Right. Yeah. Well, then let's segue to, uh, you know, the last part of the evening, which talked about agencies and personalities. You know, just to kind of give a rundown on some of those winners, Jim Weiss won Entrepreneur of the Year, for, uh, obviously Jim Weiss being the CEO of Real Chemistry, Elevate Healthcare won Small Agency of the Year, JPA Health won Midsize, and Large Agency of the Year was taken home by the block. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, again, you know, every, every one of these winners was, you know, 
incredibly you know, worthy. You know, you look at what Real Chemistry did this year in terms of bulking up. I mean, you know, in a year when a lot of companies were pulling back, you know, a little bit cautious about, you know, whether expand or not expand, you know, Real Chemistry went out, bought a data and analytics shop. They bought, you know, uh, market ask, access. You know, they were extremely aggressive in a very, very smart and uh, forward-minded way. So, um, well, you know, all the power to a Jim. Um, Jen Gottlieb and the leadership team for their efforts in that regard. I get, I guess, really my only comment here, you know, beyond the fact that you know the winners were great winners. Like in each of these categories, we could have named four, five, six other companies that would have been equally worthy of consideration. Yeah, you know, the competition is is uh, pretty fierce here. Certainly, and and thanks for mentioning Real Chemistry. I mean, they they took home several golds as well. You know, as did our friends from Click Health and Area Twenty Three. Havas. So there were certainly a lot of the usual suspects here, in addition to some some new names uh, in, in the mix. Wrap up comments. You know your your final thoughts here. Uh, you know it's you know we're, when we're recording this, you know it's about noon on the uh, day after the awards, and you know I think there's still you know based on what we're hearing, not just internally but externally, um, you know there's just a really nice kind of. You know, every, everybody's just feeling good about having seen each other, about having celebrated some of the amazing work that was done and having, you know, I mean, listen, all of these award shows to a certain extent are, you know, people giving themselves a bit of a pat on the back, but there was so much to celebrate. And the fact that we hadn't done it in person for so long, this didn't have a feel of one of those kind of, uh, you know, let's get chummy and everybody gets a trophy and everything else. This had the feel of just a lovely community coming together in a way that just felt warm and natural. The executive I was talking about before, um, who was talking a little bit about some of the um, some of the public health slash pro bono work that his company does, um, in the middle of that conversation, you know, he came up as a plat- he came up as a nominee, and um, you know, he kept talking through it and everything. And then while we were still talking, you know, his company had actually gotten the uh, silver award. So stops for a second, just goes yay, we won. And then just went back to talking about some of this great work that he's seen, how inspired he's been by his colleagues. I think, I think that to me is the, uh, was the night in a nutshell. Uh, that was a little bit of a microcosm of just the way everybody felt. Everybody was happy for themselves, happy for each other, and just really happy to be out. You know, I mean, yeah, it was kind of tough remembering how to button his shirt again, I mean, much less tie a tie, but you know, we all, we all pulled our acts together. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, the, the competitiveness, so to speak, took a back seat to to you know make a final point that uh, this is a peer to peer or peer judged awards program, uh, and so you had the eighty independent judges uh, coming together as 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 we always do and and picking these winners. So uh, the the winners are the winners. Okay, well uh, that's that's like a good. That. And there, there's your recap. The winners are the winners. Yeah, <laughs> no more profound words uh, have been spoken. So that's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it there. Um, I want to thank uh, Larry for, for joining me on this uh, Friday morning after the awards. It's one of those mornings. I think you're excused. In my case, you've got some bags under the eyes and you're, you're a little bloodshot. Uh, but it's, you know, it's nothing that a couple cups of coffee can't solve. <laughs> so um, if you enjoy this podcast as much as, as we did, please give it a like. Uh, please subscribe. Help others discover the show. Um, the MMM podcast is produced by Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. We're out every week. Uh, we'll see you next time, everybody, on the MMM podcast. Take care.